Amen? So in our From Clean to Pure series, we've been looking at James chapter 3. You know, I I planned this week to speak on worship, the purity of worship. But because I spent all day yesterday talking about worship, I decided to go a different path. Very rarely do I get a chance to speak on a subject like worship. And uh, so yesterday, they, they really had me. I was up at half past five. I think I was preaching till six o'clock. From uh, 10 o'clock till six o'clock. So I, I had a good go at it. I had a good go at it. And um, I really believe God sowed something into the hearts of the uh, it's Jesus Christ City Mission. That's uh, where I was yesterday in Kensington. It's a nice part of London. And uh, so James three sixteen. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder of every evil practice. So wherever you find it, you see certain fruits. Envy, every evil practice. But the wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. When we say wisdom, it's not just insight just to do something. It's much more when you unpack wisdom, there's much more in there. Wisdom comes from heaven is, first of all, it's pure. So as heaven opens up, heaven is full. Everything on the other side is pure. So whatever dimension of heaven we can open up, purity will fall and flood and flow into every area. Amen? Because all of heaven is pure. And we see that it says heaven is peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive and it's full of mercy and it's full of good fruit. It's not, it's impartial and it's sincere. And peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So you need the wisdom of God to sow in peace. Where everyone's sowing in their opinion and confusion and bitterness, the wise man sows peace. Yes? And what he sows in peace, he raises a harvest of righteousness. Why? Because of purity. The purity that's in his heart is giving him wisdom that when everybody else is being negative, you can be positive. And sow something different into the environment, which then then produces a righteousness in you. Do you see that? So you need the wisdom of God to see, to know what to do at the right time. Yes? It's amazing. When you do the right thing at the right time, you develop a harvest of righteousness. So Christianity is either a hard, it's either hard, or I should say, let me phrase it this way. Christianity is either a hard walk or it's a heart walk. It's either a hard walk, H-A-R-D, or it's a H-E-A-R-T, heart walk. You know, I would never, I've experienced both sides of this in my own life. And I'm sure you have. I've experienced Christianity being a very, very, very hard walk. Why? Because my heart was never involved. My head was involved. My duty, form, tradition, expectations. I followed a path because I thought that's what was expected. I thought that's the path that would produce a harvest of righteousness. But it was only until I got my heart involved did I truly begin to grow. Before my heart was involved, I knew. 
But when I got my heart involved, I grew. Does that make sense? I knew a lot about God, but I didn't grow in God. And Christianity for me was a hard walk. It was hard because there was no grace there. There was no peace there. There was no love there. There was no identity there. I didn't know who I was. In Christ, that was. I knew I was, and it was Tony Higginson. But I didn't know. Everything inside me was not aligned. So it became a hard walk, not a heart walk. And if we're moving from clean to pure, God requires a heart walk. So it changes our circumstances. Christianity is always going to be hard. But it doesn't have to be hard in the sense of we get no progress, no advancement. No peace, no provision, no protection. When you've, got, when you've got no heart in it, why do you expect the opposite? It's like working in the chain gang, breaking rocks every day. But when the heart's involved, heaven's involved. When heaven's involved, purity's involved. And when purity invades our hearts, the heart can respond and grow and enlarge. And our capacity can grow and enlarge once the heart is involved. But getting Christians to get the heart involved is one of the most difficult things. Because Christianity is a lot much easier in one sense. We just said it's hard and it is hard. But it's easier if you just leave people in a church and never deal with the heart. But it will only ever come back to bite you. Because when you try to lead people... If the heart is not involved and the heart is not pure, you'll never lead people beyond their own selfishness. Amen? See, today in modern day church, most Christians or churchgoers do not want to change. They want to come to church, they want a service, they want to be blessed, but they do not want to change. So they learn to adapt to a church culture. So they enjoy the social side of church. They enjoy all the things that they can be disconnected from, but can take what they want. Amen? So it's like you go into a home, you you feed the kids, you say, eat the carrots, eat the peas, eat the veg, eat all the things you don't want to or you don't naturally gravitate to. They just want to eat a little bit of meat. But you know, in in the house, we've got to take everything. Because, because the most important thing that God's after is the heart. Because without the heart, he hasn't got you. Once he's got you, then his hand goes deep inside, his work goes deep inside, and then that begins, that creates a walk. Amen? It creates a walk. So you can have a work, a hard work, or you can have a heart walk. I want a heart walk. I really want a heart walk. I want my heart to produce a harvest of righteousness. And I want your heart to produce a harvest of righteousness. Because I know heaven wants that. And the more we see your heart producing a harvest of righteousness, the better you become. The cleaner you become. The more radiant you become. I'm seeing this on, on, on the church right now. I look and I see angels. Some of you got dirty faces, but... Seriously, I see angels, I see you shining like stars. I see that God, as, as I can see that you, you're yielding your hearts to the Holy Ghost. It's a beautiful thing to see someone's heart yielded to the Holy Ghost. 
Hey, you should say amen there. I'm telling you that as your pastor, I'm seeing that God is working on your heart and you're looking radiant. You're looking radiant. You're looking radiant. I'll tell you one more. You're looking radiant. I could not follow God if I did not involve my heart. I could have church. I could have duty. I could have form, religion, tradition. I could have all that. But I couldn't have him. And wherever the heart's not involved, all you've got is all those things I've just mentioned. But when you've got the heart involved, he's involved. And we must have a church where he is involved. Amen? Not only is he involved, but he's in the midst of us. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. I haven't got the, the uh, presentation this morning, so you'll have to use your Bibles. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> He says, love the Lord God with all your heart. Not just a part of it, not just a section of it, not just a percentage of it, but all of it. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So your heart, your soul, your strength. In other words, when you get those three things, you've pretty much got the man or the woman. He said, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The heart is the carrier of everything. God wants the heart involved. Yes? And then he says, now, with what's in your heart, then put it into your kid's heart. Now, start the generational transfer of legacy. Put it into your children. So when the baby's in the womb, like my sister's is over there, she speaks it. She speaks what's in her heart. The The baby's really close to her heart. So all the emotions that's in Tembe, she prophesies over the baby. You'll come forth. It will be a child. It will be born here. This will be its destiny. Mom begins to speak the destiny. So the child grows based on what it's been receiving in the womb. It's powerful. Don't expect, don't expect me to understand how it happens. I just know it does. That's how God works. Speak to the next generation. Before they're even born, speak them into being. So, Pat, you can begin to prophesy over, over Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, sorry. Sorrel. You can begin to prophesy over her, even though she may not be a Christian. The next generation's coming forward. As long as you're around the house, the kid has got destiny. Someone to speak, shape, birth, destiny. Mum might be the vehicle to bring the child, but yours is the hands that will shape, spiritually speaking. And then he says, talk about them when you sit at home. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframe of your houses and on your gates. God does not want any part of your life where his heart is not involved. He wants wants it to be a constant reminder. Your house, your fridge magnet, (laughs) your kettle, your toaster, your bed, your bath. Every part of your life. God wants his heart to be there as a reminder. When you're shaving, gentlemen, when you're shaving, looking in the mirror, you can be singing the praise of God. You're looking, yes, I am the identity of God. Yes, you can validate yourself as I'm looking in the mirror. Ladies, as you're putting your lipstick on, your, your eyeshadow, your foundation, whatever it is you put on, speak to yourself. The bathroom is a great place to be reminded of the heart of God. Because if you think about it, everything you do in the bathroom is to take care of yourself and beautify yourself. Yeah? 
But when you look in the mirror, there's a reflection of the heart of God inside you. You're an angel. You're shining like stars. In a world, what's dark? Yes, you. You're the Christmas angel. You don't believe it, do you? You're an angel. You know the reason why you don't believe it? Because no one's ever told you. No one's ever told you the angel. No one's ever told you that you're a, you're a beautiful star shining. Because you think, well, if I get the makeup on, I feel, oh yeah, I feel good today because I've got the makeup on. Hey, when you've got no makeup on and you're at your worst, speak. That's how God made you. God did not make, make you with eye shadow, lipstick, foundation. God give you a different kind of foundation. Amen. You haven't got the max factor. You've got the God factor. Amen. Phil's got the max factor. She lives with him. We either know what's right or we believe what's right. We either know what's right or we believe what's right. There's a big difference. They sound the same, but they're not. For those, they both sound the same. They are very, very different. We often know in our mind what's right, but we don't always believe it in our hearts. True? We know what we should be doing. We know what God's word is saying. We know what we should do because we know it's right, but we don't believe it. So therefore, there's never an action. How many times you say, yeah, I know, I know, I know I shouldn't have done it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you didn't believe it enough not to do it. You know, but you don't believe. It's not enough to know. It's not enough to know. The devil knows. The devil knows a lot of things. He knows a lot about your future. But if you believe your future with what you know, how powerful can you be? You see, today you'll go out knowing a bit more than you did when you walked in. But will you go out believing it? Because what you believe can't be taken away. What you know you can forget. What you know can be snatched. But what you believe in your heart, Mary stored it up in her heart, she believed. And for her, it was credit to her. She got her portion. Christ came through. She was used. She was a divine vessel. Amen? So the prodigal son shows us in Luke 15, verse 17. He said, when he came to his senses, he knew some stuff. He knew some stuff, the prodigal son. He knew he shouldn't have taken his inheritance. He knew he shouldn't have taken his father's, uh, he should say, he shouldn't have taken his portion. He knew he shouldn't have pursued that life. He knew it. But yet he didn't believe that he shouldn't do it. So he tasted it, and once he tasted what was bad, he then began to change, and then he believed that if I go back, things might work out. He said he came to his senses. How, am I, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, listen, I have sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Now he believes this. He knows it, now he believes it. I'm not worthy. So he's now, his, heart, his head and his heart's come to the one place. It's a good place when your head and your heart come together. But that's when the mercy of God comes on you. Amen? You see, he's like, well, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I'm going to hell. How many people will tell you that in the street? Yeah, I know I'm a sinner, I know I'm going to hell, but yeah, you know, I'll fight that fight when I get there. No, you won't. But the man who knows and believes in his heart that I'm going to hell will do something to stop it. Yes? 
Because even people say to you, well, I know I'm going to hell. They know it to hell. Because if you believe some things, you go, I'll change. I will change. So he knew. He knew with his head. And then the heart begins to join up with his head. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. His father always believed. His father always knew it was the wrong path. And he always knew that the son didn't believe that he was a son. Now, this, I love this prodigal son because it opens up so many, many questions. Which we don't have time to go into. And I wrote them in a book called Living Legacy. A whole bunch of questions. I know it's only analogy. But there's so many questions. What was the fa- Why didn't the father validate his son before? Why did the son feel he, he, you know, he, didn't, he had to go and get it somewhere else? There was fathering issues in this house, if you read behind the scenes. I know it's on his story. So let's not go too deep. It's an analogy showing the mercy of God. Amen? So, and he was filled with compassion and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer am worthy to be called your son. You believe that? And then the father begins to say to the son what he believes and what he knew. Puts a ring on him, puts a robe, brings the fatted cow, puts a banquet. And then the other son, it creates a jealousy in the other son. So there's all dimensions going on in that prodigal son. The brothers in the house. You'll always have brothers. You'll always have problems with the brothers. When you show, when you show favor to one son, the other kid kicks off. Because it reveals, why did you do it for me? Well, we have done it for you, but he doesn't see that. He, sees, he judges it in isolation. That's why with your kids, it's hard work. You, give your kid, you will give one kid some money, the other one's saying, I expect the same amount. They, don't, they, they, they measure your love based on what you give them, not what you do for them. It's amazing, isn't it, how we know one thing, and yet we're not moved by a belief in another age. Who, who remembers Lance Armstrong? Seven times... Tour, uh, Tour de France winner. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. With drugs or without drugs, it's still a hard race. And I feel sorry for Lance, I really do. To have had all your life, all, to work all your life to achieve something, to have them all stripped. Lance did not win in any shape or form. It was all taken away from him. Disgraced. A disgrace he can never get, never remove. On this earth, unless his father, his holy father, does something in his heart. Man will always remember Lance for, not for what he won, but how he won him. It's a shame. And yet, how many times did he speak on, on TV and deny it? In his head, he knew. He knew he was taking whatever prestige he was using. He knew it. But he did not believe it enough to say, I need to sort it out. Not only once, but seven times. It's amazing how far we'll go when we know something but don't believe it. And then he had cancer. And his wife stood by him. And one year later, he leaves his wife. The woman who supported him all the way through his cancer, all the way through his scandals, he leaves her. He knows something but he don't believe. She was a good woman. 
Stay with her. It's amazing. Our entrance into the kingdom is the beginning of us walking down a path that involves the heart. Our entrance into the kingdom. On the other, in the kingdom, there's a path that we must walk, that we must work with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. We must remind ourselves. We must tie it on our hands, on the doorpost. Everything must be done so that we can pursue this walk on this path that involves the heart. So if you keep the words work, walk and path, the heart has to be in it, those three areas. The work, the walk, the path. Your heart will determine your work. The fruit you get from your work. Your heart will determine how you walk. Your heart will determine whether you stay on the path. Or whether you stray from the path. Matthew 7.13 says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow that the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. See, the many know, but they don't believe. But the few know and join their belief with what they know. And they pursue that path. Now, notice, there's many over here, but there's few over here. What does that tell you? That tells you that not many know and believe. There's a distinction between know and knowing and believe. Now, in our society, we've got people who don't even know. So we have to make ourselves known, make him known, so they can have a choice. And they can have a chance. If you talk to some of the younger children today, they don't know who Jesus is. So it's our role, and with society pushing him out, we've got to find a way of putting him in. Amen? Because as the, as the generations continue, the message in some generation, we have unreached generations. You don't have to go to the Amazon to find them. They're right here. We've got our own Amazon. It's a jungle out there. So our entrance into the kingdom is the beginning of us taking the road that leads us to a pure pathway. It's a pure pathway because heaven's involved. Whenever heaven's involved, purity. So when you pursue the kingdom, heaven's involved. It's a pure pathway. It requires a different walk. It requires a different posture. It requires a different heart. With all your strength, soul and heart. You can't keep the same lifestyle you had previously. If you're going to keep this pathway, you must have your heart involved. You can know things, but don't believe them. I guess, I guess when I was growing up, I knew a lot about God. Because I was in a school that went, took us to church. I was a Sunday school generation. Mum used to clean on a Sunday. Dad would go for a few beers. Kids were shipped off to church. So I knew things. I knew the Lord of the dance. Do you remember that song? Dance, dance, wherever we be. I'm the Lord of the dance, said he. Yeah. Certain, you know, I can't remember words, but there's certain songs I can remember. And I always remember I learned a lot from that song. I heard there was a devil. I heard in the song he danced with the devil. Yeah. And I knew a lot about God. And then when I left, left uh, Sunday school, 
And then I, I end up going to a church in Burnage, as I've told you many, many times. I go and listen to someone talk uh, for 10 minutes, and then we play sport or whatever. So I knew a lot about God, but never brought my heart involved. And then when I came here, my heart got involved. And then I had initial struggles because the initial struggles is changing your mind. What you thought you knew wasn't accurate. So then your heart and your mind have to come into alignment. God has to cleanse your heart. Get rid of some of the old stuff. God never danced with the devil. The song said he did. God's never danced with the devil. It's just a song. God just spoke to the devil. Out. Go. Jog on. I was comfortable with what I knew. And then when my heart was involved, I became uncomfortable for a period. Cleansing is always uncomfortable, but it's very profitable. Has anyone found that out? How many of you know it's possible to work for a boss, but never meet him, never know him? Some structures, companies that you work for, you only get a, a line manager or the area manager. You never actually find it. You never get to meet the owners of the companies, depending on the size of the company you work for. But you know he exists, but you don't believe what he says because you've never met him. Everything comes through channels. Yeah? I can't believe the heart of David Cameron because I've never met him. But I know about him. If I met him, I might be able to believe his heart. What is sin- does he have sincerity behind his politics? I'm not saying he hasn't. It might be his heart was sincere. It just might be his methods that's wrong. I actually don't think he's doing a bad job. I'm not saying I'm a conservative. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying I actually think he's not doing a bad job. Now, you might disagree, and that's only opinion. I'm not here to preach politics. But he's not as bad. I'm looking for leadership. I don't know what you're looking for. I want our nation to have a leader. I don't care what color he is. I don't care, care if he's blue or red or yellow, white, black, orange. I don't care if he's an alien. I just want him to be God's man for our nation. I want our nation needs leadership. It doesn't need personalities. It needs policies, but you bring leadership and you'll have policies. So... You know, if, the, if they're all bad in the, if they're all bad in the, in the bucket, we're all in trouble. We don't want the we don't want the best of the worst. We just want the best, because the best of the worst is still bad. Think about that. Lord, don't give us the best out the bad out the bad bunch. Give us the best. Let the devil have the bad bunch. We'll have the best. Amen. So in Matthew eighteen three, he said, and I'll tell you the truth: unless you change. Become like a little, little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So how do you get the change? You can't enter the kingdom with what you know. You can't enter the kingdom with what you believe. But the moment you enter the kingdom and you believe, something's got to change. Straight away, God is on the case of your heart. He wants to dwell in your heart. And people say, Jesus lives in my heart. Oh, I think... You know that you've got an, a seed of salvation. So you say, well, yes, Jesus lives in my heart. But he only truly does dwell in your heart when you, when, he, when you allow him to work on your heart. Straight away, you want him to come in, touch your heart, but not live in your heart. 
He then lives in our head. Jesus, we, we take him out the heart once we've got salvation and we push him into the mind. We can't leave him in the mind. We've got to bring him into the heart. You try and love, well, maybe you do, but you try and love your wife with your head. When you first get involved with your wife or your husband, you're romantically involved. You don't love her with your head. You love her with your heart, body. Right? Your heart is the central. It's where all the emotions come. You try and... Well, I'm, not, I'm aware of it, as I'm saying. Some of you might be doing this, so I've got to be careful. I know when I got involved with Carol, it was all heart. And then my hands got involved. That's when I was in trouble. Seriously. Because the heart was pure. Once the mind got involved, it pursued areas it shouldn't have gone. But when I loved Carol, it was sincere. It was pure. But then I realized there were certain privileges, certain benefits. And I went into zones that I shouldn't have gone into. Do you understand what I'm saying? The rest of my mind took over then, but I started the relationship with my heart. I pursued it with my heart. Now, we can't talk about pursuing our partners as past tense. We must keep on pursuing. Because the moment the mind gets involved, the relationship will dwindle. And we become, it's like Christianity, we have a duty, we have a form, we have a tradition. But the moment the heart's, when the heart's always involved, I have protection. She has provision. She has progress. Why? Because my heart is always wanting to see her rise. You know, I'm surprised there should be a few more amens here. Come on, men, man up. Sort yourselves out, ladies. Pursue your husband with your heart. A man will think, if you pursue, now no, listen, ladies, you know, and I don't have to tell you this, you pursue a man who thinks, ooh, there's sex involved. No. If, if your heart is pure, then all things, to the pure, all things are pure. So we need to make sure that our hearts are changed. Because there's no journey here if the heart is not involved. I keep saying this and I will keep saying it. You don't believe. It's not enough to just know that my wife or my husband loves me. I know, I know Carol loves me. But I can't assume that forever and ever, amen. I have to believe it with my heart. But you see, in this context, believing is not enough. I have to know she loves me. So I need to hear words. I need to see actions. You see what I'm saying? I need to hear words and I need to see actions. It's good for your partner to say to, to, to the opposite partner, I love you. And then an action comes in. So you've consolidated what your words have said. So she just doesn't know now, she believes. And then when you believe, she keeps on knowing. And when she, what she knows, she keeps on believing. And what she keeps believing, she keeps on knowing. Does that make sense? They can't leave it just to one or the other. Word, a marriage has to have communication. I must tell the other person. And if you're fond of another person, I'm not talking about marriage now. If I've got a good friendship, I must keep on communicating my heart to my friends. Because how, how many of you got friends who's never called you? And you tell yourself to friends, or you believe yourself to friends, but they don't tell you they are. So you need believing and knowledge when it comes to friendship. 
Don't tell me your friend, you're my friend and you never call me. I'll say, go away, I never knew you. I'll say, you, didn't, you might have prophesied in my name, but you're not coming in. <laughs> Romans 10, 10 says, Romans chapter 10, verse 10 says, For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. The mouth and the heart work together. So if I tell Carol I love her, my mouth must keep it. If I believe in my heart that I love her, I must tell her. I must tell her. If I believe Christ in my heart, I must tell him. I must tell him regular. I must, in my worship and in my prayer, I must constantly be telling him, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. You are the, you are the delight of my heart. And God will tell me what he knows. And when he tells me what he knows, I feel his heart. It's beautiful. When he tells me what he knows, I feel his heart. I don't only, I don't only understand him better, but I feel him. And out of my feeling, I understand. It's a beautiful technology he has. His words carry so much more than just words. Amen? But when I tell him, I can't just use my word, I use my heart. So when God speaks, he uses his heart. It's a beautiful relationship we have. And you see, in Ezekiel 18.31 says this. Rid yourself of all the offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, he says, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. So they knew of God, they knew of his love for them. But they didn't believe in their hearts that that's what they should be doing. So he says, get rid of all your offenses. So the first thing, if we're going to keep our hearts pure, we must get rid of all our offenses. Get rid of them all. Hurtful words, reactions, actions, interactions we've had. Get, Get all your offenses out so your heart becomes pure. Get them out of your heart. Let God, get, as you get your heart involved in this relationship, say, Lord, clean, clean me out, clean me up. So that you've got a good, pure heart. This is what Christ, this is relationship. You see, if you've got a marriage where there's unforgiveness and bitterness, how many of you know that's an unstable home? It's likely going to explode at any time. True? And you find that your meals... You're silence in the room. She spits in your dinner. You don't know about it. <laughs> hey, that's what bitterness does. Bitterness has no end. No level. Be careful, guys, what you're saying. <laughs> Listen, if that vivid imagery causes you to make sure there's no offense in your marriage, good. She might be spitting in me dinner. I'll get my heart right. I love you, love. I love you. I love you. Don't just tell her before dinner. Tell her well before dinner. <laughs> they say never, take, never complain in a restaurant. Well, that's the same in a home. <laughs> Rid yourself of all the offenses you've committed. Get a new heart and a new spirit. Wow. It's very graphical language. Believe in God. Get a new heart. Get a new spirit. And then he says, all else you're going to die. Wow. Put the end 
or else you're going to die. That's a good reason to get a new heart and a new spirit. Amen? You see, once your heart is clean and you're using your heart, the heart is necessary for faith. It's not just your head you believe. It's with your heart you believe and confess. And it's with your heart. When, you, when your heart believes and hears the word, your head then gets involved. And it joins up. But your heart is the central nerve system, not your head. So he says, you've got to believe with the heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. What do you hear? Not your head. It's your heart that's hearing. It's your spiritual heart. Your spiritual eyes. Your spiritual ears. Not your physical. That's what when, when Pat read that scripture this morning, I can't tell you what she said in that scripture. All I heard was the word firm. I'll be honest. Firm was the word that God spoke to me as she read that scripture. Why? Because my heart captured one word. That was enough for me. I didn't need all the scripture. Now, you may have got different aspects of that scripture. But for me, the prophetic, I heard the word firm and God said, that's the word for you. Launch me here. But I couldn't come. Faith came by hearing and hearing the word of God. What heard it? My spirit. I can't say what she read. I don't even know where she read from. I think it was the Quran, wasn't it? I don't mean the Bible. But I heard it. Why? Because my heart was tuned. It was tuned. The frequency was set in my heart. So when the word was spoken, when the word comes, we didn't say when the passage comes, when the word comes. Yes? See, to remember the whole passage involves your brain. Involves the intellect. Involves the memory. Everything's cerebral. But what she said, the heart captured. Faith heard, and it heard the word firm. Standing firm. That was enough. Now, did you get blessed by them what God said through me saying about standing firm? But it couldn't have come unless she launched it. Now, you may have got something else from what she said. But then it it then led the meeting to a, the divine exchange. So faith comes by hearing. And, and, and that's why when I'm saying this morning, what I'm saying, the spirit is speaking. You may only get one sentence of what I said, but that's the word to your heart. So with your heart, you believe. That's what you believe and take home. Now, if you want to get the, your head involved, take the CD. But your heart must learn to capture what God is speaking in our midst. It's not about remembering everything I say. It's about capturing. Some things are taught, other things are caught. Does that help you? I can't remember everything he says. Good, neither do I. I can't tell you what Jonathan preached when he was in Malaysia. He preached all week. I can't remember what I had for dinner. Never mind what he preached all week. But my heart captured a lot. You ask me what my heart captured, oh, that's a different, that's different. Psalm 73, 1 says, surely God is God to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. God can only be God when the pure, is purity in our hearts. The word can only ever be the word. It can only really mean something to us when there's purity in our hearts. Psalm 73, verse 13 says, surely in vain I kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. Now listen. It can appear 
that what you're doing and how you're working for God seems in vain. But let me tell you, it's not. It's not. It might be, it can appear that you're working hard, you're believing, you're getting God to pure, purify you, but everyone keeps dumping all their rubbish on you. It can appear that when you abstain from certain things and everybody else is doing the opposite, they seem to be advancing. And you don't seem to be advancing. It can seem that when you're pure and you don't gossip, those who gossip get better jobs. It seems in vain, but it's not. It's not. Why? Because the pure in heart will always see God. The pure in heart will always develop a harvest of righteousness. Your father's watching. Your father's watching. When, when everyone's up bypassing you, getting further on than you, there's a temptation to say, see, if you do what they do, you'll get where they're going. But where they're going is the, is the, is the wide path. Where you're going is the narrow path. And only few stay on that path. So stay on that path. Don't be tempted by other paths. Don't be tempted by what people give you on the other side. Stay with what you know. Keep your heart pure. All the time. Lord, it seems like they're advancing. David said many times, he said, Lord, the wicked look like they're advancing. But oh God, you are my refuge. You must stand on what you know. That's firm ground. Because where they're going is sinking sand. And don't look at the temporary. See the future. It's not where you are today. It's where you'll be tomorrow. It's not, it's not where, who you can follow. It's who can lead. Hello? It's not who, who we can all follow someone. It's who, we, who's leading us. Who's leading our lives. God, you are, the, you are my strength. You are my fortune. You are the rock of my salvation. God's leading his life. God's leading his life. It can appear in vain. But please. Go on help this lady. Has she fainted? All right. Say, hey, 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 look this way. Look this way. Action's over here. She's been sick. She's not feeling well. She okay? We need more help. Psalm 25 verse 2. In you I trust, O God. Don't let, me put to, don't let me be put to shame. Nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. No one. No one who ever puts their hope in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O oh God. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are God my saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Did David conclude that it was in vain? No. He saw it, he observed it, but then he conclude, quickly concluded that God is the God of his life. You must conclude what you consider. That's the nature of the worksheet. You must conclude what you conclude you must pursue. Amen? What you, can, you must conclude that God is the God of your heart. God is the one that's leading. God will not put you to shame. If your heart is pure and you believe with all your heart that God is the God of your life, pursue it and watch God follow you. Do you believe that? See, in every church you lose people. Every church. And you lose people because two things. You lose people because people's hearts don't want to remain pure. So then they get offense. And they'll find reasons to have a go at you. 
And then the other reason why they, they leave is because they don't want to pursue the path that you're going down. People leave church for many, many reasons. In you, I trust. Who do you trust? Who are you trusting in? God. Don't let me be put to shame. Don't let me enemies triumph over me. No one who loses, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. Write that on your fridge magnet. Write it on your bed. No one whose hope in you will ever be put to shame. You can take that to Zion. Take that to the bank. Get a t-shirt on it. <laughs> do what you've got to do. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. That is the word of the Lord to you. Psalm 25. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth. Teach me. It's a great prayer to pray. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. It's all day long. How long? All day long. We'll bring it to an end. Psalm 119, verse 9. We'll bring this to an end. How can a young man keep his way pure? What a fantastic question. How can a man, how can a young man, young woman keep his way pure? It's a very, very serious question. By living according to your word, the scripture says. I seek with all my heart. I don't know with all my head, but I seek with all my heart. It's not enough to know God with all your head. You need to know him with all your heart. And he says this, don't let me stray from your commands. What, what does he, what's he done with his word here? Watch, I've hidden your word in my heart, not stored it in my head. I've heard it, I've stored this word, I've hidden it in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, he knows and he believes. What he knows, he now believes and has become convinced of. And he's pursuing it. With all his mind and with all his heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin from sin. Keep me sin. Praise be to you, O God. Teach me your decrees. Now watch. With my lips, I'll recount all your laws that have come from your mouth. So now his head's back involved. And then his heart will release what he remembers from the law. And he'll count it. So he keeps sowing it. What he knows, he believes. What he knows, he keeps believing. So he believes what he knows and then he knows what he believes. And what he knows and he believes and what he believes and he knows he becomes convinced of. Does that make sense? You must keep on doing this. This word must become a light. It must become alive. And then he says, I'll recount it. All the laws that come from your mouth, I'll rejoice in the following. Your statues as one rejoices in great riches. Now, many people follow God's statues, his law, but they don't have the heart involved. And that's when it becomes duty, form, and tradition. Many people are going to church today lighting candles. Well, we met the light of the world this morning. They're lighting candles. Yeah? Many people will stand there and listen to the choir sing. Hey, the choir sang this morning. It interacted. Many people will listen to all kinds of Latin. We spoke in tongues. We spoke in the language of men and angels. Amen. You can have your form, your tradition and your religion or you can have the heart. Amen. Did God not explode in our midst? Did you not feel invigorated? 
Did you not feel lifted to a new place? They didn't get that when they were lighting candles, did they? Yeah? And he says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight, so his mind's involved. His heart's involved. You don't meditate with your mind, you meditate with your spirit. Yeah? You meditate with your spirit. If your mind's involved, they tell you to empty your mind. Never empty your mind. Bring your mind and your spirit together. So you focus on the word. Meditate on what he's saying. Thessalonians, Thessalonians says, think on these things, that which is good, that which is pure. All those things. Think on certain things. Don't just... Mm. You'll have a lot more coming into your head. You'll invite spirits into your mind, into your life. Don't, don't go down that road. Bring your mind to a point of focus. Spirit. Yeah? Get a new heart and a new spirit. So he says, meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The word now is becoming the centrality of his life. Remember we read this morning, we have this hope as an anchor. It goes for the soul. It's firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That's where our heart is. Behind the curtain, behind the veil. Where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. And because he's there, we're there. Hello? Because he's there, we're there. Because we're part of him. When we look in the throne room, we believe, we convince that's where we belong. Because we're part of him. So many churches want to worship on the earth, but we belong in the throne room with him. Last scripture, promise, Psalm 19, 105. Psalm 19, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a lamp and a light for my path. I have, not, I have taken an oath and have confirmed it. That I will follow your righteous law. See, I, I, I considered, I've concluded, now I'm pursuing. I considered, I've concluded, now I will pursue. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've taken an oath I've com- and confirmed it. That I will follow your righteous laws. I've thought about it, I've concluded, I've convinced about it. Now I'm going to pursue it with all my heart. What with? Not my head. With all my heart. I'm going to pursue it. So you need light for two levels. Watch. If you're going to stay on the path, a pure path, that you need two various levels, then the word that, that God brings to your feet is only one dimension. There is a light for your feet. That is called the now word. That's bread. It feeds you, yeah? Sorry, that's the now word. So you can see. This is the path. Walk on it. But light for the path is something different. It's another level of truth. So you need truth for you to look at your feet and say, right, feet, walk this way. So you can see the path that you're on is now a good path. Or the path that you were on was a bad path. So the light comes so you can get on the right path. Yes? See, so many people are still looking at the feet. But you now need light for your path. That's called your destiny. That's called vision. That's called dreams. That's called pursuing. So you need light for the future. So you need light to get on the path. And you need light for the path. That's why you have present truth. All truth. Progressive truth. Prophetic truth. Proceeding truth. There's so many levels of truth. 
But we think, it's just the word of God. No, no, no. The word of God comes in layers. Layers. There's the prophetic. There is the rima. There is the logos. There's so many different levels. There's the, there is what they call the debar word. You didn't know these existed, did you? Ah. Each one of them opens up a level. So you can pursue the path. And each one, each one will show you how narrow this path is. This is not a wide path. This is a very narrow path. But if you've just got light for your feet, it's not enough. What does your mother tell you when you walk in? Look where you're going. Look where you're going. Most people, oh, look, hey, I'm happy all day long. I can see my feet. It's, it's, it's great if you can see your feet. But guess what? Your feet follow your eyes. Have you noticed that? You don't do that, do you? You just walk and your feet follow. Your eyes are sending messages down to your feet. Left turn, right turn, straight ahead. It's true. So lift up your head. He is the lifting of your head. Why? Because that's where light is given. As he lifts up your head, it's dark down there. But as you lift your head up, oh, what? There's more? Can you imagine, can you imagine how narrow your world is? Because I can only see from here to there. But as soon as my head starts coming up, oh, I can see, I can, I can see Veronica now. I can see further. I can see clearly now. All the rain is gone. <laughs> I can see at one time, I can see all obstacles in my mind. But now, because I believe, does that make sense? That's how it must be to you and me. Get the heart involved. So you can have a hard walk or you can have a heart walk. The pathways of God are pure, clean, righteous. And if we sow ourselves purity, from that seed of purity, we will receive a harvest of righteousness. So please, stay on the path. You must consider. You must work out. You must pursue what you work out and consider. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed speaking it. Hallelujah. Father, you've given us firm territory to work out, to walk out, to witness. Oh God, we thank you for your faithfulness towards us. We thank you that your light has given us clarity, strength, peace. We thank you, oh God, for the provision that's coming and the provision that's already been made. We thank you for the progress that's coming. The progress that's already been made. We thank you, O oh God, for the protection that we've already received, but the protection we will receive as we enlarge the place of our territory. Father, we thank you for your word has become a light, not only to our feet, but has become a light to our path. It's become the very thing that's guiding our lives. It's the very thing that's steering our lives. Lord, I pray for shafts of light. Shafts of light over every heart and every mind. So the heart and the mind come together and become truly one. Lord, I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, get ready to receive. Your portion of light is coming. The truth is coming in a greater clarity. 
Truth is coming in greater dimensions for you this year. This will be your portion. You can take it to the bank. That if you, whoever hopes in God will never, ever be, end up in shame. That is the word of the Lord to us from scripture. That whoever puts their hope in him will never be put to shame. So Father, we receive the word. Let it now meditate on this word this week, Lord. Bring it back to our remembrance. Flood out the chambers of our hearts. So that we can grow in this word, nourish on this word, feed on this word, rise on this word. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a standing ovation.